Jamie broke up with me on Instagram. So I said, Excuse me! She's pro wrestling's queen of mean. But behind the scenes, she's got a heart of gold and a lifetime of experiences. From no-holds-barred tales of her relationships and rivalries to conversations with A-list superstars, the real Vicky Guerrero is ready to talk. Welcome to Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Excuse me! Excuse me! Welcome to the Excuse Me podcast, everyone. I am Vicky Guerrero, and I want to thank each and every one of you that live from the UK to Africa, Italy to Mexico, and of course, the beautiful United States. Thank you for joining us again this week, and we are so grateful for every single listener that downloads our show and gives us so much love and support on social media. Now, I'd like to welcome a special guest of mine who is not only a beautiful young woman, but she's a wrestler, a valet, a writer, and an actress. She is quite the lady and very busy. Everyone, let's welcome Miss Taylor Hendricks. Hey everyone, this is Vicki Guerrero and you're on the Excuse Me podcast and today I have someone who's new to my world but on the social media platform she's very popular. She is the beautiful redhead that's on social media, Miss Taylor Hendricks. Welcome Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. I love the Excuse Me podcast so thank you so much. <laughs> well, don't get me mad and I won't yell at you today and we'll make that a deal, okay? <laughs> <laughs> deal <laughs> you know so for my followers and, and for me too you know i've been researching you since we agreed to do the interview you're, uh -oh. a, you're a, i was searching girl for you um you're a wrestler a valet a writer an actress is there anything that you don't do <laughs> Um, there's quite a bit I don't do, but I am always um, an equal opportunity sort of person. Uh, growing up, I always had so many things that I was very interested in. So for me, I just like to dive right into different things and have different experiences. So I think, I think uh, my family would probably say the one thing I cannot do is sing, although that doesn't stop me. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm in that same boat with you. I, I, in the shower, my singing sounds amazing, but you get me on a karaoke, I have to have a lot to drink to just get on that stage. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to love karaoke, though. You have yeah. to. And, uh, like, road trip singing is the best. Uh, I like yeah. to call it steering wheel choreography. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's so true, especially when you have no one around that knows you and it can have that evidence on social media. <laughs> Yes, yes, 100%. So Taylor, let's let's learn a little bit about you. What came first, the 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 wrestler or the writer? Hmm, probably the, the writer. Yes, I I love everything. I um when I was about nine years old, I broke my collarbone. I fell off a really tall rope swing and I landed like flat on my back, wrestler bump style. And I broke my clavicle. And uh, it was around the same time that I had found out that I had scoliosis. And so I already had like this back brace that was super embarrassing, but I had to wear it nice. So I was kind of just like, I, it wasn't aluminum, but I kind of want to say like an aluminum monster because it's ridiculous, right? 
So um, I remember, and I'm sure you can imagine raising your kids. Um, so my mother rushes me to the ER. I wait for hours and hours until I'm finally seen. And jokes on my mom, because all they did was put me in a sling. And then there was like this back brace thing on top of the back brace I already had to wear at night. And they were like, yeah, and here's some Tylenol and coating with the pain. It's going to knock your daughter right out for the rest of the night. Well, uh, joke was on my mom because I was up the entire night and that was when I fell in love with old Hollywood films. My mother had put on uh, a bunch of Debbie Reynolds movies and a Sandra D and some Betty Davis and I just immediately fell in love with old Hollywood films and I decided right then and there, okay, one day I am going to be an actress just like Betty Davis. And so I started writing because I loved to read. And so those kind of morphed together. And I started to fall in love with wrestling around the same exact time, but I was not allowed to watch it. So I had to sneak little <laughs> tidbits here and there and be like super sneaky when I'm sneaking, like sleeping over friends' houses. And, you know, that's how I started watching wrestling and stuff. And I immediately fell in love with the characters in wrestling and how they all walked differently. They looked different. They talked different. They wrestled different. They were larger than life as if they were popping out of your television screen, right? So I immediately fell in love with all of those but I would have to say the first thing that came first was the writing I used to write stories and poems I wrote music um, and songs and stuff I wrote all kinds of stuff and then I started being in drama club and public speaking and I took any sort of sport that I thought would be beneficial for wrestling and I just knew I was going to do all of those things one day <laughs> oh my gosh so what era were you watching the wrestling was it uh like, you know, was it the Attitude Era or was it before then or what, who were you watching that was motivating you to become a wrestler? Ooh, I love that question, Vicki. Oh, man. Okay. So I have some fun memory lane stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about seven and a half years older than my younger sister. And um, she didn't really like wrestling growing up, right? And so I was just all about it. I was obsessed with it. And when I was growing up, it was during the time of the Attitude Era. Um, and my mom didn't think it was very appropriate at the time for her super young child. You know, I was, I was very young. I was in like the early stages of elementary school. <laughs> and one day I saw all these people in the cafeteria doing like that DX thing and going, suck it, right? <laughs> I told the story on my YouTube channel. Um, it was so funny because, so I thought it was so cool. I was like, I didn't even know it was wrestling related, right? So I come home, I'm like, hey, mom, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard Oh my trip. God. It was. And I got so so grounded and when my mom asked my older cousins what that could have possibly been from and she found out from my cousin john who watched wrestling he was like oh auntie uh that that's from wrestling so that really didn't help the situation for me very much oh but um i yeah can you imagine so that was me in a nutshell and so i remember seeing china i got to see um brief little tidbits of like china on the screen uh i saw eddie guerrero and it's really funny actually because uh the first video game my sister and i ever got for wrestling was wwf smackdown 2 and our friend's little brother had just decided he didn't want it, so he gave it to us. We didn't know how to play it, and my sister didn't even like wrestling, but I'll tell you, she always picked Eddie Guerrero when we played that game. 
every nice single choice. time. She has like the best taste. <laughs> yeah. I, she always picked him and it was so awesome. And we, we would always just be trying super hard to see whatever we could get, you know, pressing buttons and hoping for the best. And uh, I would always be rogue dog just because I liked his entrance music. <laughs> And every time I would get a move on her, I would be so excited and I'd be like, oh, you didn't know. And she would just get so mad. <laughs> you know, those games are difficult. Uh, they, they were hard to manage. They are. Yeah, there's so many buttons and combinations and secret codes and all that stuff. Yes, especially when we didn't really grow up with video games. I think the first system we ever had was a PS1, but it was way after the PS2 had already come out. So, And we didn't even have a memory card at the time, so we would just keep <laughs> replaying the same things over and over and over, hoping we would get farther than we already did. <laughs> but um, I remember Lita and Trish Stratus. I remember when Mickey James came in. I remember the Hardy Boys. Uh, I, I, I remember so much. And then when I finally got to get into wrestling when I was 17 years old, I was like, wow, you know, I probably missed so much. I didn't see any European wrestling before. Um, I didn't know much about the independent scene. And I miss everything to do with the territory. So when I was talking on my podcast with Princess Victoria, I was telling her how I got introduced to, you know, the NWA, the AWA, all the different territories where the WWF pulled out from. And that's when I started seeing people like Velvet McIntyre and uh, Chief J. Strongbow, Paul Orndorff, and so many different people, you know, Ric Flair and everything. And it kind of reignited um, so much of what I already loved about wrestling. And I just knew that I had to keep pursuing it. Wow, that's interesting. Now, uh, when you when you want to get into wrestling, was your mom against it? Because she was already had this, you know, her attitude towards it was already bad. I mean, how did you how did you get into it with your family support? Um, well, they they did not support it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I can't honestly blame them. You know, it's a very, it's a very challenging industry to be in, not just as a woman, but as a person in general. And then add on top of that being a woman, it's, it's already difficult going in as a person, but then you add being a woman onto it. Plus, you know, it's very physical. You never know if uh, the next match you have is going to be your last. You never know what opportunity is going to lead where you're always on the road. You're missing everything. And what, when you go after dreams like that, you're, you're making sacrifices, right? That, that makes right. sense. But what a lot of people don't realize is you're, at, you're indirectly asking other people that already don't understand your dream to make sacrifices right along with you. And so I think there should be more of an understanding, but you don't really learn that lesson until after you're already in it and you realize, wow, professional wrestlers make terrible family members. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it's, so, it's so hard because it's a male-dominating industry anyway. It is. You know? and so it see, is. <laughs> and to see a female go into it, you know, I mean, I was involved with it because I was Eddie's wife, you know, so that I had the easy part because I was behind the camera and I didn't have no stress until I started working with him. But it's, it's a tough, you know, industry for a woman to, to be strong in, you know, I mean, now it's different because women are having these opportunities. But back then when you, you know, saw Trish Stratus and Lita and Sherry Martell and Miss Elizabeth, oh, they, were, they, they, they were just, you know, they were just the eye candy. They weren't taken seriously for their talent. And I think that it's, uh, it was such a hard industry, even for when I was going to marry a wrestler, they're like, are you kidding me? Like, 
why? <laughs> you know, I mean, but until you fall in love with the sport, you know, people don't understand that love that you have for it as well. No, they they don't they don't understand it. And I think um, what what a lot of people also don't take into consideration is a lot of these women that we're talking about did the best they could with what they were given to turn it and make it more and to elevate it. And they're a part of the reason why we have what we have today. I don't, I don't believe that the women's revolution happened within the last 10 years. I think it's been slowly building a big bonfire since like the seventies and eighties, you know, and somewhere it got a little lost along the way. And then it started picking up again, you know, because these women that started out as eye candy and, and they'll admit it, we, we can admit it. That's not a bad thing. It's just what it was, it's how it was right. at the time. They turned that into something more. And that's what's so inspiring because I got to watch people like Victoria and Trish Stratus turn something that was meant to be only one thing and they turned it into something completely different. And because of them and because of the people before them, we get to see all the amazing things and all the amazing opportunity today that we're seeing. And these women today that are excelling in those opportunities are indirectly and directly both creating new opportunities for people that are going to happen one, five and 10 years from now. And that's very exciting. And I think people like Sherry Martell, and Velvet McIntyre, women like that deserve so much more credit because, I mean, they're not talked about as much as they probably should be because without them, there may not be people like me today. And I think that that's something really cool to pay homage to. I love that sort of mutual respect. I think to understand where the business is going and where you want to go within that industry, you have to understand where it's come from and how far along it's come. And that to me was part of getting into wrestling. Um, I can't blame my mom for not wanting her daughter to be in such a physical sport, to be gone from home all the time, to be going through things that she couldn't relate to, you know, um, but she supports me in it. She'll always say to me, Taylor, I may not like what you do, but I support the heck out of all the effort you've put into doing it. You know, you proved a lot of people wrong who said you would never make it. And I think that's awesome. You know, that's, that's a class A compliment coming from my mom with the way she, with her type of personality. And that's something I hold dear. You know, it's not easy to let your child go out into the world and then to, for them to tell you, Hey, you remember since I was 14 years old telling you I wanted to be a wrestler and I bought all these action figures and t-shirts and pay-per-views. Well, yeah, now I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, that's not easy. Um, so yeah. I applaud her, you know, <laughs> that's true. Now. So um, I was looking up your history and you've been involved with the, the rosters of Week of Honor, OVW and TNA. Now, which one was first and how much time were you in each uh, promotion? Uh, let me see. I first moved from the East Coast to go to OVW and that was like a big culture shock and it was awesome. Um, I, uh, I probably spent the most time in OVW and Ring of Honor. <laughs> I was only with TNA for about a year. And then for about two and a half years, I was doing a bunch of extra uh, gigs with WWE for a while. And I had one WWE tryout um, and stuff like that. So I think the most time was probably a combination of Ohio Valley Wrestling and Ring of Honor. And I loved Ohio Valley Wrestling because it made me, it helped make me the performer that I am today based off of their training style, their mentality and how much dues you actually have to pay when you go there and not just like the actual like monetary version of paying dues, but the actual setting up and taking down the ring, helping with production, going to all the practices and all this other stuff, they make you earn it and they teach you what it actually means to be on television. They, they teach you how to work a camera. They teach you 
what the actual importance of an entrance is. They teach you character development, how to cut different timed promos um, within character and out of character and different things like that. And that helped me get my opportunity to be on Gut Check with TNA Impact Wrestling. I was the first girl for Gut Check ever. And I was also the first Gut Check contestant that was completely live. Um, Chris, Alex Silva, his, both of his segments were taped, his match and then his promo taped. And then um, Joy Ryan, I believe his match was taped and then his promo was live. And then I was the first girl and I was the first one where my match was live and my promo was live. So wow. I wasn't given no a pressure. specific promo. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know in advance who I was wrestling. I didn't know who I was wrestling until after I was already backstage for like an hour or two. Um, I didn't know for, I didn't know the entire time if I was getting signed or not. So when you actually saw my reaction on television, that was my real reaction. <laughs> I remember being on the same plane as Al Snow. Um, and I never once asked him, uh, oh, actually, this is funny, Vicki. Um, our plane, something to do with our plane caught on fire, right? So here's <laughs> Al Snow and I trying to get to Florida from Louisville, Kentucky, and we're stuck in Atlanta somewhere. We're stuck at the Atlanta airport. And we're waiting for hours and hours. I'm just sitting there, you know, talking with Al Snow, whatever, whatever. He was in charge of developmental at OVW, so I had known him already. And so we're just sitting there. I never once asked him if I was winning. You know, this is my second appearance where I'm going to be cutting the promo. And at first, like, we're about to take off from the runway in Atlanta because we had that connection. And then they say, oh, something's wrong with, like, the alternator or something inside the engine, whatever. But you can feel free to sit in your seats, no problem. So we're waiting about an hour in our seats. And then we hear on the intercom, okay, you know what, everybody, we're going to have to ask you to take your luggage and please, in an orderly fashion, exit the plane. And we're like, okay, wait a second. And they're telling us something's on fire and we need to shut it down and switch planes and all this other stuff. And then we're waiting hours in the Atlanta airport. And I'm thinking to myself, so many times in my head, I'm like, Taylor, don't ask him, don't ask him, don't ask him, just do your job, do what you got to do, and that's that. And that's what I did. I just did my job. I never asked him. And then I remember him saying, wow, for how long we've been waiting in Atlanta, we could have driven the rest of the way to Orlando by now. Oh my <laughs> and so God. we finally get back on the plane, and then we make it there. And then I do my, my, my gut check promo, whatever. I timed it out great. I was so excited about that because at OVW, timing was stressful to the max, you know, they were like, you can't afford to pay this TV time yourself. So if you have a time cue to hit, you better hit it. <laughs> they always stress oh. that kind of stuff. We and have a lot uh, of so you saw my real reaction. Yeah, <laughs> I love that old school training. I don't feel like a lot of people teach that way anymore. And I feel like it's an invaluable tool. It later on is what led to me getting a WWE tryout. So I really feel like the time I spent at Ohio Valley Wrestling, for good or for bad, it was probably the best training I ever had in my whole career. You know, that's, that's awesome because with OVW and also uh, when my daughter Shaw was in NXT or FCW, you know, they taught them how to set up the ring, how to, you know, put the, the cameras together, how to set them up. I think that is so important because people that, that are fans looking from the outside in at our jobs, they think, oh, they just go out there, do their thing, and then that's it. And some people, I, I, I can attest that some of the superstars don't have that experience where they have the real, you know, like meat and potatoes of actually what goes on with the show, like the, the setting up of the ring and, you know, the lighting. And there's just a lot of elements to put a show together. And I love that OVW and FCW were doing that for the kids that were training. And it just showed a lot more respect. And it, I think it uh, 
as far as my daughter, it, it gave her an appreciation for all the work that goes in. It wasn't just the fans come in, there's a show and then they leave. I mean, there's like, you get there, you know, six hours before and you set up, you talk about the show. I mean, a lot of preparation had to go into it. I think that's so awesome that you got to see that from the, the back scenes, you know, and then you'll have appreciation when you do work other promotions, you have that knowledge to share to others as you, you know, work with them. I, I couldn't agree more. And by the way, I absolutely love your daughter. Her and I get along so well. So I love that she also had that too. Like she's a firecracker when um, we used to talk back and forth on social media, but then I actually met her this, um, the same day I met you one day in Texas at a show. And uh, we just like instantly clicked. It was so awesome. I love, so I love hearing that she had similar training at SCW. Um, uh, yeah, I really do feel like there's a lot of people nowadays even that I've met that have, you know, some success and they've never set up a ring. They don't know what it's like to have to wrap cables a certain way for production for when you want to store them. They don't know what kinds of tape have to go down on the floor to protect those hundreds of dollars worth of cords or the $5,000 camera and, you know, the microphones when they're custom that cost tons of money. And if you toss it or hit it, like they don't know any of that stuff. And I remember still being in TNA and I was doing some indie shows and I would offer to help set up the ring and they would just look at me as if I had 10 heads and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I'm like, wait, more people don't offer to do this. Like what, what what's yeah. going on here right now? And I did kind of the same thing at ring of honor, you know, before I actually like got in, I was going there for free. I wasn't getting paid. And um, I would do the whole thing where you leave your bag in the car, you show up dressed up, you have a resume, you help set up, you're one of the last to leave, you help take down, you know, you have examples of your work in case anybody asks and all that stuff. So I used to help with chairs and I remember doing cord stuff for production, helping with the ring crew at the truck. So I've pretty much consistently done that throughout my entire career career. I think it's humbling and it gives you respect because camera angles can either make you look terrible or like a megastar. The seamstresses are like the unsung heroes of the industry. They can make you look indie or super mega Hollywood star. You could be walking down the red carpet, you know, and the, the production, if they catch your move just right, it can look like you decimated somebody or it can look like you missed from five miles away, which is embarrassing. You yeah. know, so there's all kinds of different things that really go into it. And if you know a ring isn't set up right, it could end your career. So there's right. so much that I think goes into it that a lot of people should have more respect for. But like you said, don't because they haven't experienced it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, something else that I, I, when I saw when my producer said, Hey, you're going to, you know, have Taylor Hendricks on your show. And I looked at your Instagram, you know, we met at WWE when you were one of the rosebuds for Adam Rose. Yes. So we actually met twice. Holy, yes. holy, holy. So, when I, so he's like, I don't think you know her. I'm like, Jerry, really? I'm like, and, and the circle of industry, we all have these, you know, we pass each other somewhere or another. And when I saw your picture, I'm like, I know her. And he's like, oh, good. This will be well. You know, and he was like, oh, good. That's over with, you know. But I remember that. And that was such a big thing for WWE was the Rosebuds, you know, the big parade and, you know, around the ring and stuff. Did you have fun with that? Yeah, it was fun, you know, getting to, like, do different characters and everything. You know, I didn't um, – I took it for what it was, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I took it as an opportunity to learn where some people didn't take it seriously at all. And other people took it too seriously and made themselves at home, which, you know, gives a bad stigma to extras, but I took it for what it is. And being from OVW, it was, it felt like I more or less had an extended family and I felt somewhat protected in the back simply because a lot of 
the WWE superstars, a lot of fans don't realize, a lot of them spent some sort of time one at one time or another at Ohio Valley Wrestling. So we're kind of like an extended family. Yeah. You know, Cody Rhodes at one point was there, Damian Sandow, The Miz, uh, like a, a bunch of people have come in and out of the OVW doors, so to speak. So um, I felt in a very good position because I didn't have like pranks played on me or anything like that. So it was very easy going. Um, and, you know, it's always fun getting to make memories, you know, um, for example, what I mean by that is I was a, a rosebud ringside when Roman Reigns won, I believe it was the Royal Rumble in Pennsylvania. And I remember wow. him just getting food out of the <laughs> arena. And then out comes The Rock, who tries to save the segment. And even The Rock stops doing his shtick on the mic and goes, hey, don't boo The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> like he was stunned and you could just tell he was calling an audible right there live on pay-per-view and it was it was tremendous but you know forever I can be like oh yeah I was there the day everybody was trying to boo the rock and now everybody loves Roman Reigns so it's really funny how several years later it all comes full force but I like to joke because um, June 6, 2014 was my last ever appearance on Impact Wrestling. I wrestled Mickey James. And I love that because she fought for me to have more time and to do more stuff because I originally wasn't supposed to have all that much. I think I, I was going to hit like two moves in the match. And she was like, no, I don't want to squash this girl. Let her wrestle. I want to wrestle her. Da, 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 da. And she also, you know, spent a lot of time at OVW. So it was really cool. So that was my last experience with TNA. And then uh, the next day is my birthday, June 7th. And so the, fast forward one year um, to June 6, 2015. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed up my own story. <laughs> June 6, 2013 was my last appearance at TNA. Too many chair shots to the head, Vicki. Too many. Uh, so June 6, 2013, <laughs> yes was my last appearance with Impact Wrestling. I wrestled Mickey James. Love her to pieces. The following year, June 6, 2014, is my first ever appearance as an extra for WWE in any capacity. And then fast forward to June 6, 2015. That's the last day of my WWE tryout. Um, and then fast forward the very next year, I'm uh, performing at Ring of Honor. So like that's always been like a very interesting day. It's like, hmm, let's see where I end up on June 6th. <laughs> So we'll see what happens this year, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at your history, and you, like you said, you've wrestled against Mickey James, um, Allison Kay, who I love to pieces, and Sue Young. You know, these are great matches. I saw you on YouTube, and your mat you guys great had some great matches. On today's women's division, who would you like to face in the ring for the future? Any company? Yeah, any company. Hmm. <laughs> I am really obsessed with AAA in Mexico right now. Um, I know that's probably random for some people listening, but I really am. I absolutely love the respect and the training and the tradition that goes into being a luchadora. I have so much respect yeah. for that. That's um, so I'm obsessed. Yeah. It is. And, and those women, they know how to go. I love it. I'm, um, I really want to get the chance to work with Lady Shawnee. I love her. Um, I love her look. I love her style. I love her vibe. Um, I think she's an, a tremendous performer. So she would be definitely on the list. Um, I always wanted to wrestle with Beth Phoenix in the ring. When I was at Ohio Valley Wrestling, everybody always talked about Beth, you know, because she spent a long time, a lot of time at OVW. 
And she, she was always referred to as, you know, this locker room leader, the leader in the ring. She took care of people. She would know who had to be on Raw on Monday. So don't give them chops and leave marks in the ring on Wednesday. You know, she was just that sort of mama bear <laughs> and stuff. And I love her style. So I always love watching her, her work and Natty's work. So I would definitely love to wrestle with both of them. Um, if I ever would have gotten the chance, I would have loved to learn from and wrestle with Sherry Martel. I am obsessed oh, with yeah. Sensational Sherry. I study her work nonstop. If, if I could go back in time and just transport myself and plot me right in there, <laughs> it would be with Sherry Martel. I feel like she is just phenomenal. Oh, I can't get yeah. enough. I love watching her tape. <laughs> that Sherry, um, there's there's so, so many women. Crazy. Yeah, that, that's a good choice. Um, now, if you had to tie team against Beth and Natty, who would be your partner? Oh, girl. Uh, I don't know. Can we be like a three-person team? <laughs> <laughs> a handicap match? <laughs> yes. Decimate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, so what, let, let's get off a little subject of the wrestling. I wanted to ask you. Now, I saw your, um, uh, you know, your talks with Taylor. And you're talking a lot about, uh, you know, your bullying on social media, and I love your attitude and your confidence when you're not letting the negativity get to you. I, I just love your, um, just how you you persevere and you're trying to be that light, you know, and everyone, you know, watching your your talk show. Um, What's the advice that you would have, uh, you know, to let my followers know, what's your advice on, on bullying on social media? How do you handle it? And how do you distract yourself from all the negativity? Well, first off, thank you for all the things that you said coming from you that that really does mean a lot to me. I'm not trying to suck up or anything that those words genuinely mean a lot to me, especially with, with everything that you've gone through, all the experience that you had, all the people that you've met, like hearing feedback like that. It is amazing. I um, <clears throat> I I try to constantly be putting out stuff about whether it's you know bullying, anti-bullying, cyberbullying, what have you, because it's something that everyone can relate to. <clears throat> I've been bullied my entire life. I was getting bullied before I, I was even born, literally. Um, and so I always felt like the deck was set against me from day one. Um, and the only way to play a rigged game is not to play. Um, and that's been my philosophy. And I got lost for a very long time. I was around uh, people that didn't always have my best interest and influences and things like that. And then one day I was like, what happened to me? Where did I go? This isn't me. This isn't the adult I needed as a child. Um, I can't look back at my younger self and give myself a high five and say, hey, kid, we got this. Everything's going to be okay. So what am I going to do to change that? So I can look back at myself just long enough to tell the kid that I used to be that made way for the adult I am right now. What am I going to do right now so that I can look back at that kid and say, hey, I got your back in this life thing. Don't even worry about it. We got it. What am I going to do so I can say that in complete earnestness? And that helped change my life. And then finding people that were also like-minded who were trying to help me be the person that I always wanted to be when I looked at myself in the mirror and realizing that I have to start betting on myself first because I was putting everybody else first. And, you know, I don't want to be just a good hand. I don't want to be that. I want to be a good soldier in a storm, someone you can always count on and someone who holds fast to their integrity 
And I realized, wow, you know, how did I get so far off track? And let's not dwell on that too long because all the time that we're dwelling on that past is derailing us from getting back on track to be where we want to be in the future. And so I like to tell people something that is from Lord of the Rings because I'm a huge nerd and I, um, <laughs> I like to say, feel light in dark places when all other lights go out because you're always, you're always going to find people that kind of want to gravitate to you when you are a light, you know? So it's kind of like, uh, like snuffing out a candle, you know, there's all these negative influences and negative people and, and negative things happening in the world. Um, so you have to find ways to ignore the noise, put on your, your proverbial headphones and keep pushing forward. Stay focused because, Anybody doing better than you does not, does not, I cannot stress that enough, they do not have the time to be knocking you down and bullying you. They just don't because they're focused on what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, and what they're trying to change. So wow. when people are acting a certain way, they're indirectly telling you who they are. Don't try to change them. Believe them. You can't change their narrative, but you, be, be assured they will try to change yours. So don't give people a pen. Give them a pencil because whatever they write, you can erase it. You're in charge of that. And the only person you can blame for giving your power away to other people is yourself. And I like to tell people, because I've learned this firsthand, if you look around at the people you're surrounded by and you're not inspired, that's not a circle. I'm sorry. That's a cage. And I didn't like feeling like a bomb in a birdcage. That never ends well. So we're not trees. We're human beings. We don't have roots that are feet upon feet stuck in the ground. So what's your excuse for not getting up and going? You can go and get out of a situation anytime you want to. You just have to have the self-love, the guts, and the gumption to actually do it. And that's why a lot of my fans are always seeing me say, all you need is love, guts, and gumption. Ignore the noise. Smile. Stay positive. Because those are things that no one can take away from you. We live in a social media world that's telling you, you you don't measure up unless you buy this, look like that, have this many followers, this many swipe <laughs> rights, whatever the case may be. You know, one negative comment used to ruin my entire day. And then when I was getting an onslaught of just a sea full of negativity, it's like, well, if one commented that to me, how am I going to not drown in this sea of negativity? Oh, yeah, by making myself some floaties and ignoring it and moving forward. And it kind of made me giggle, <laughs> not to be too wordy, but it made me giggle because as a little kid, I was getting bullied in school. I had somebody cut my hair, put gum on my seat, steal my lunchbox. Um, oh, I got, <laughs> I got yeah, right. I got confused um, to be someone else. Someone else confused me with someone else. And they jumped me. It was like four of them and beat me up. It was four against one. And they were all upperclassmen. And oh. so they beat me up thinking I did something, but it was literally this other girl who didn't even look anything like me, but she sat close by to me. So that's how we got confused. And these girls were about three years older than me oh. at the time of the incident. And uh, so these are the types of things that I was dealing with growing up <laughs> from very, very early. Um, and my mom would always say, just say, thank you very much and have a nice day. And I used to look at her like she was nuts. Like I thought she was crazy. I was like, mom? This is the worst advice. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> Fast forward at 30, I'm like, wow, you know, there was really something to that. She was giving me some sage advice, but I didn't have enough life experience yet out in the world to realize what a gem that truly was. So now I'll say have a nice day all the time or, hey, thank you. Hope your day gets better or, hey, 
hope whatever's bothering you goes away real soon because you deserve to be happy. You know, um, people always project their insecurities onto other people based off of what they think success is. And if they don't think they can do it, they're going to tell you, you can't do it. There's absolutely no way. And that's why you have to. Um, nobody can live your life except you. So if you're not doing what you got to do to make the kids you were be proud of the adult you became, then what are you honestly doing with your life? And that's how I try to, I don't just try to talk. I also try to be that every day and it takes it, it's a daily struggle and I don't want people to get frustrated you know self-love is one of the hardest things you can do and especially in today's world where social media dictates all you know so I just want people to realize it can take 30 years it can take five minutes just don't be frustrated keep going because you're going to be a part of somebody else's survival guide someday and that's amazing so more people need to get in on the conversation well that well, well said, Taylor. Well said. I, I love your advice. And, and off of that, if there was a 10-year-old girl who came up to you, and now that you're 30, what would be the first advice that you would give her if she wanted to be a wrestler? What would be the, the one important advice you would want to give her before she stepped forward? My first instinct is to tell her, please be something else. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy because I mean my mother like I tried to be a wrestler since I was 14 I tried at 14 my mom said no 15 my mom said no 16 my mom said no and then 17 my mom gave up it was like fine but even at 17 I was too young to be in the business I didn't understand all the things that were going on around me like I hadn't gone to prom yet I didn't have my own car yet I hadn't graduated high school yet I didn't I, I didn't know my hand from my elbow basically <laughs> Um, so knowing that a 10 year old and you know, this business is geared towards children, you know, yeah. it, it kind of lures children in. And when you're a child, you don't have that life experience yet. Right. So you're looking at it through rose colored goggles. And I was actually just talking about this the other day with somebody else. And I was like, pro wrestling is spoiler, spoiler alert. It's like one of the scenes in the wizard of Oz. You dream about it as a kid. Oh, and wait, it's going to make sense. Wait, this is, this is a gem. I don't care how stupid people think it is because I know I'm right. I've lived it. <laughs> it is like a scene in The Wizard of Oz. So you're this young kid. It's geared towards you. The sponsorships are geared towards you. The commercials, the stars, everything is geared towards children. And these larger-than-life personas with these larger-than-life things splattered, even if it's fake, splattered all across social media. It's all they see day and night. They dream of it. They want to be it. They dress like it. They talk like it. They watch it. Now they're getting older and it's time for them to go into it, right? And then all of a sudden, it's not like they saw on TV. It's not like they dreamed about and thought about and fantasized about when they were younger. And it's slowly killing their dreams. And that's a very hard pill to swallow because we're not taught that it's okay if your dreams kind of evolve with you over time. It doesn't have to, your success doesn't have to be exactly the way you thought about it as you were a kid because you were a kid, you didn't know anything yet. So, and I see a lot of people, including myself at times, get so agitated with certain things and how the way certain things go. And fans don't really know about these types of things. Yeah. So it's like in The Wizard of Oz where they, they, they go through all of these experiences down the yellow brick road, meet all these people and finally make it to the great and powerful Oz. Now, he's a jerk. He's mean. He's pulling all these punches and all this stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, here comes Toto. And then all of a sudden, you see that behind the curtain, the great and powerful Oz is just a negative old man with a keyboard. <laughs> and he's bald. And he's <laughs> that bald. is pro wrestling. Yeah. That is pro wrestling. You know, it, it takes your dreams and it, it kind of, 
it, it, it sucks the dreaming out of you unless you take that power back. So for kids that want to do this, I want them to have enough love, guts, and gumption to not let the business change them in a bad way, to go after their dreams, but know you have to roll with some punches. And what I mean by that is a lot of people don't allow for variables in the equation when it comes to their dreams. It's okay. Things happen. Um, If you don't get signed to WWE one day, but you get to wrestle all over the world with, say, New Japan, with AEW, with AAA, with Marvelous, with MPWL, with with whatever the case may be, and say you wrestle all over the world, you wrestle in London, you you wrestle in, in India, you wrestle in Australia, you wrestle in Canada, all across the United States, Mexico. Are you going to say that you aren't successful only because you didn't do that with the WWE? You did it on your own. That's a lot of the mentality people have because they dreamed of it when they were so young. But just because you did that on your own doesn't make you less successful. It means you had to work way harder because you had to go out and get those opportunities for yourself. They weren't already booked in a year's schedule with the WWE or with other companies that are televised because they have to plan that months and and months and months in advance. You know, it's hard. But you did it. That doesn't make you less successful. You know, so I, I would find a way that a young child could understand that. So that way they can feel good knowing that they have somebody cheering them on, but also helping them not fall into the same mistakes. Because if you can learn from other people's mistakes and not waste the time making those mistakes, you're way better off. Why make mistakes that other people already made that you could have learned from? That's, that's so true. And that's true. what I would want for that 10 year old. <laughs> well, good advice. Okay, Taylor, tell my followers uh, where they can find you at on social media. Ooh, this is fun. Okay, so you can find my YouTube channel called All Things Taylor uh, with youtube.com slash Taylor Hendricks. You can also find my website with taylorhendricks.net. Um, my podcast, Talks with Taylor Hendricks, airs every Tuesday on russosbrand.com, and I upload clips onto my YouTube channel. You can find me on Twitter with at Taylor underscore Hendricks, and you can find me on Instagram with at Taylor Hendricks, R-O-H. Oh, okay, great, Taylor. Now, I always end my, my show with a, a good question so the fans can get to kind of know you a little on a personal basis. Um, here's a question for you. Would you agree with food for soul or music for soul? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're basically putting me on the cusp here. I have to decide good home cooking or music. Mm. That's right, girl. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably have to say music, honestly, because my whole day, as long as I'm playing music, I'm all right. I, I love music. I play music all day every day and you know some songs can just transport you back and you could have the worst day in the world but you hear that one song and you're like wow and music yeah. isn't going to make you feel like you just ate 20 pounds worth of food so it probably, <laughs> probably music. Uh, that's that's a good answer taylor thank you so much for being on my show i wish you so much love and success in your career and i'm rooting for you girl i wish you the best and i look to forward to seeing you again and seeing you um you know in your future you know events and thank you for taking out the time in your day Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. So oh, thank good. you. Well, good. Thank you, sweetie. And, um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll be keeping up with you in the near future, okay? Deal. Same. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, Taylor. 
Thank you, Taylor, for such an inspiring and empowering interview of just how positive and inspirational you are for not only your listeners, but you got to share your advice with my followers. And I'm so grateful for you and the time you took out to speak to me. I wish you so much love and success. And now everyone, for the highlight of our show, here is Miss Alicia Atut. Take it away, Alicia. Hello, everyone. It's Alicia Toot, and I'm so excited to welcome you back to Tales from the Interview Queen. That's me. I recently had the opportunity of interviewing a man I've been a fan of since I was a kid, the legendary Matt Hardy. Just saying his name and realizing I finally interviewed him blows my mind. There was so much buzz surrounding him as he was officially a free agent, and I caught him at the best time. Was he going to AEW, Impact, MLW? Who knew? I have to admit, though, I had a hunch. At the end of the interview, while we were still rolling, I mentioned to him how I heard he was going somewhere dark, and instantly, so quickly, he replied with, well, I have to bring some order to someplace, and there we had it, a true hint of AEW's The Dark Order. And once the interview was posted, it had fans buzzing about this almost confirmed mention of going to AEW. And two weeks after my interview was posted, bam, there he was bringing some order to that exact company. So there you guys have it, another fun tale. Thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Interview Queen. I'm Alicia Toot, and be sure to follow me online at Alicia Toot, and check out my interviews and YouTube channel for thousands of great tales, interviews, and vlogs. Stay safe, everybody, and until next time. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Excuse Me Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast platform. Check out our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash excuse me Vicky, or follow me on Twitter and Instagram and email us at excuse me Vicky at outlook.com with questions or comments. Until next time, excuse me!